Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, the Blackhawks are back in Chicago and getting ready for the home opener on Thursday against the San Jose Sharks. It's the first of seven straight at home over the next two weeks, and then Chris Cook is joined by Blackhawks legend, color analyst, and cancer survivor, Eddie Olchek to discuss his new book, Eddie Olchek, Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life, as well as his career and those who have helped him along the way. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all-new Chevy Blazers got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all-wheel drive to sport to tow and haul. This ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, keeping you connected 24-7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going. This is Blackhawks Insider. I'm Carter Baum, joined by Chris Cook, and we are... Uh, recovering. We're, we're doing better. We're back in Chicago, which is very important. The team is also back in Chicago, but let's be honest, it's, we're talking about you and I right now. It's all I don't about, know about us, as you know. Exactly. It's right. all about, Chevy is all about the drive. Blackhawks Insider is all about us. Right. So, uh, Still jet lag, Carter? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was a, it was a rough two days on Saturday and Sunday, <laughs> kind of readjusting. I don't know about you, but I was uh, wanting to go to bed about 6.30 both nights trying to adjust back, but uh, we're getting there. Uh, it's been a nice week. The team had uh, a couple of days off on Sunday and Tuesday and really getting acclimated and uh, just ramping up for Thursday's home opener against the Sharks. What about yourself? You know, I was tired the entire time we were in Europe, and I'm, I'm much better uh, on the way back. For some reason, I, I was able to adjust rather quickly. But talking to the players today, and Jeremy Carlton said it, it's time for some hockey, right? That was a long trip for one hockey game. Saw some sights. Uh, you know, had some local fare at, yeah, in restaurants and the pubs, but it's time for some hockey. And we saw some hockey, uh, not the Blackhawks' best effort against the Flyers, uh, too loose with the puck. And, uh, you know, they had some moments there where I thought that they had their game, but a very, very kind of a ragtag uh, effort. So I think Jeremy Collins has been using these couple of practice days, this time off, as he said, you know, this time off would have been great, except for, we, you know, we're sitting on a loss. So they want to get going. They want to win a couple of hockey games here. Get the attitude back to where it's positive all the time. As you mentioned, seven consecutive at, uh, at home now. That's really a, a time where you need to pile up some points there because you don't want to fall too far behind in the division because then you're just playing catch-up. Yeah, the game against the Flyers, it was it was a little weird. It seemed like in the first period it took them a minute to kind of get going, mm-hmm. and then they had a lot of chances, a lot of good offensive zone time. And then the second period, the players admitted it. Jeremy admitted it after the game. It just fell apart. They were turning the puck over, and not only – turning it over but in bad spots and uh spots that you know gave up very easy chances and then uh at that point in the third period you're going in you're down a pair of goals you're trying to fight back Patrick Kane makes it a game uh, late with a empty net with a goal while the Blackhawks had the extra man on the ice Mm -hmm. but uh at that point it's almost it's almost too little too late so a lot of those details are what they're really trying to kind of tune up and and clean up uh, going into the home opener. Yeah, it was not good enough. Uh, as you mentioned, some spurts there. But the, the good thing is, and they always say this while they play again soon, but they have 81 of these to go. And they've had some time to think about it, some time to work on it. And, again, it wasn't 
horrific. It, they weren't totally outplayed there, but they were just they weren't careful with the puck. Uh, made some poor decisions there, and um, you know we we talked about it as well. You don't like to make excuses, but there was some uh, injuries along the blue line, so you had some guys in there maybe wouldn't be playing, were playing. Overall, probably a good learning experience. You want to come out with two points, they didn't, but it's something to build off. Well, they have a couple days that they've been working on a few things, but they're about to embark on, you mentioned this stretch of seven straight at home over the next two weeks, basically running almost the, the rest of October. This is a very important stretch because you're supposed to get points on home ice. This is supposed to be your uh, where you're dominant. And now you have seven straight. You can either be in a really good spot coming out of this or in a really bad spot or just kind of mediocre with, with a hill to climb. And uh, we've been talking to guys this week and, you know, Dylan Strom and Alex Dabrinkit both told me earlier in the week, you know, we, we saw what a slow start did last year. We can't have that. You don't want to think, you don't put too much pressure on it, but you also can't just fall flat over these next two weeks. Especially in this division, it's very difficult. You fall behind, and they mentioned that they were always chasing last year. They fell behind, they're always chasing, and then they finally caught everybody. But that, at that point, there's no room for error there. You lose a couple of games, now you drop back. So you don't want to start chasing this early in the season, trying to get some points back. So, yeah. You know, you never like to say, I asked Jeremy Carlton, hey, do you got a record in mind? You know, you want to go six and one, five and two. And of course, he gave me the got to take them one at a time, basically. But he's right. But the thing is, you can't come out of this stretch, you know, having won two games or three games. You need to establish some identity at home. The people coming to the United Center, they're going to have a game. Uh, they didn't do that so much last season. So they want to start out strong against the Sharks and keep it rolling there. You know, win any way you can. You want to win six, five, go ahead and do that. Obviously, you want to tighten up the defense a little bit more. Try to win a three-to-one game, a two-to-one game. Get your goaltending going. We're not sure who's going to start in goal against the against the Sharks yet, but whoever it is, whether it's Crawford or Leonard, you need a strong effort from him, and then you need to really kind of get into your system and play the way you want to play and establish you're going to be hard to play against at home. And it's going to be tough because the Sharks are zero and four. The Blackhawks. We're the angry Sharks. We're uh, we're a week into the season. The Blackhawks have played one game. Most other teams in the league have played three. The Sharks just played their fourth game, uh, losing in Nashville on Wednesday night. Uh, they're a team that's going to be hungry. Jeremy Colleton said, uh, "Yeah, they are going to be. Uh, they're going to be a little desperate, but we need to be desperate as well. They're a team that has added Patrick Marlowe back into the fold. They signed him on Wednesday. Uh, by all accounts, it looks like he'll make his re-debut in a Sharks jersey." Uh, at the United Center, Evander Kane's back off of an early season suspension. So a little bit of an offensive boost there and a, a veteran leadership boost there. And this is a team that is going to be fighting. And so the Blackhawks really can't afford to, A, st- start slow at home, but they're going to have a team on the other side that is very desperate for points. I get that, but I'd like to see some desperation out of the Blackhawks each and every game. You, you can't go through stretches here. We're kind of floating and we win a game here, lose a game there. Let's see some desperation from opening puck drop and let it go. You have made the playoffs now in two seasons. It's time really to be desperate every time you're on the ice. We mentioned uh, Marlowe and Kane back for the Sharks. But by all accounts, it looks like Connor Murphy's going to be back in the fold for the Blackhawks, uh, adding to... Uh, the defensive core, one of the two, uh, along with Calvin DeHaan, who missed the season opener. DeHaan uh, still out with some groin injury, but it's good to see Murphy back uh, dealing with a groin injury himself. Uh, Jeremy Collinson wouldn't confirm that he'll be back, but there are six healthy defensemen practicing this week with the Blackhawks. So unless they're going to give Dennis Gilbert another last-minute recall, uh, by all accounts, it looks like it's going to be good to see Connor Murphy back out there. It's going to be huge. You know, we talked about it all off season. You know, Stan Bumma wanted to bolster the defense. He brought in Calvin DeHaan. Um, you know, he brought in Ali Mata. 
now you want to get the full complement. And you mentioned DeHaan did not practice today. It uh, doesn't look like he's going to be ready for the opener. But if whether it's two games or one game, whether he comes back, at some point you're going to get the full complement along the blue line. And that's you're going to see the, the real Blackhawks' identity. Are they? Did they really solve that issue of keeping pucks out of their own net? It starts on Thursday, and it starts with uh, Connor Murphy coming back, kind of st- st- uh, stabilizes the blue line a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how, how well they fare on defense. And, uh, you know, the firepower looks to be there, right? You've got those guys who can score some goals. I thought Nylander looked good. Obviously scored the first goal of the season uh, over in the Czech Republic. So let's concentrate on playing tough defense, and that begins with having Murphy back and getting some um, some things cement along the blue line, get your pairings going, get to know, guys get to know each other, where they're going to be, what we're going to do, and really try to focus on keeping the puck out of the net. And with Calvin DeHaan, he's uh, been given a couple days off, Jeremy mm-hmm. Colton telling us that, you know, he's just kind of dealing with one last little nagging thing that he's trying to overcome. So they're they're giving him a couple days to kind of rest and let it fully recover, not try to aggravate it anymore, and in hopes that that will get him over the hump because he's been practicing for a few weeks now he looks good in practice but it's just something there that's not 100 percent comfortable that they're just trying to get that last little bit so he'll be ready and then you have this full uh six-man defensive core that uh is going to be very it's going to be very tough there's some interesting matchups uh there's some interesting looks uh, that you can do on the power play on the penalty kill even strength uh there's some versatility within that group Certainly. And, you know, you're always eager to have your full lineup out there. So people are, you know, you're champing at the bit to get DeHaan out there. But it's a, you know, it's a long game here, right? You don't want to rush him back and navigate that, uh, the groin injury. And then who knows how long he's going to be out. So stay patient. Same thing with Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc is out there practicing. People are wondering, hey, when are we going to see the rookie? Well, let's wait a little bit, make sure that he's fully recovered from the injury. Plus, he's up to game speed. He hasn't played in the NHL. Didn't get to play in the preseason. So these practices are good for him. I suspect he'll be in the lineup at some point during this homestand. And it's just a matter of being patient. At some point, you're going to have the full complement of Blackhawks on the run your roster ready to play. And that's kind of when you can kick things into gear. Well, speaking of a number three overall pick in Kirby Doc, we are blessed to be joined by a number another number three overall pick, Eddie Olchek, who uh, has a brand new book. Chris, you were able to catch up with him uh, via phone from Philadelphia, where, of course, he's working hard and working for NBC as his uh, broadcasting debut or broadcasting career continues to flourish. You know, Eddie, if anybody's ever run across Eddie, just knows that he's one of the most positive people and one of the nicest, generally nicest people on the planet. And uh, the book that he wrote um, and really kind of documents his life, you know, first off being uh, from Chicago, Chicago kid who makes the NHL, drafted by the Blackhawks, and it talks about his career and what he went through, both the positive and the negative things, and even to the point where he was a coach of the Penguins and how maybe that didn't work out the way he wanted. But then it kind of transforms into the tale about him having cancer and his battle with that and really what he went through and all the people who surrounded him and, and really comforted him. Uh, really inspiring tale, and I encourage anybody to go out there and read it. Um, you know, I, again, I, I told Eddie, and I, and I mean this, I, I shed a tear, I laughed my ass off, but it also it made me think about how I want to live my life and realize that the way you treat people is how you want to be treated back. And I think that's the, the theme for Eddie. He's such a good guy that when he was in need of some help from people, they were there for him. And before we toss it to Eddie Olchek, uh, we do have a little bit of a giveaway. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to open this up. We have a signed copy of Eddie Olchek, Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life. Uh, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear your favorite uh, Eddie Olchek story, why you're a fan of him, either as a player, a person, a broadcaster, cancer survivor. What really sticks out to you about Eddie Olchek? We have a signed copy of his book. 
Email insider at blackhawks.com with your your answer. We'll pick one at random uh, and mail you off a signed copy of his book. Again, that's insider at blackhawks.com. And without further ado, here's Chris and Eddie. We're joined now by Eddie Olchick, um, known name by many around here and all across North America and certainly the hockey world. And Eddie, uh, you've got a new book out called Eddie Olchick, Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life. Tell me about the experience of uh, writing this book with uh, Perry Lefko and what you wanted to get accomplished by telling people your story. Well, Chris, nice to be with you and, and, and welcome back. <laughs> welcome back home. You know, I, I think it was something that uh, that I had thought about uh, probably, you know, maybe five or six years after I retired. So back in like 06, 07, after uh, I had coached in Pittsburgh and, you know, something just kind of crossed my mind. And then I had this like, nah, you know, who, you know, who wants to who wants to read about my life and, you know, young kid from Chicago making it to the show and playing his first hometown team and you know, living a dream and playing in the Olympics and all that kind of stuff. And I just kind of put it on the back burner, but it was something certainly I thought about. And then actually, uh, you mentioned Perry Lefko, who I've known since the late eighties and my days in, in Toronto. And, um, you know, Perry approached me a couple of years later and we actually put some pen to paper and just kind of started talking a little bit. And then I just got cold feedback, I think in about, you know, 2010, 2011. And, just, you know, I just, the desire wasn't there and, uh, he was fine with that. And, you know, and then unfortunately I got sick back in 2017. And when I was going through that, I was kind of thinking, you know, going through the battle and cancer, not discriminating and just trying to, you know, maybe thinking about, well, you know, maybe I can tie it all in together. And, you know, Perry and I met again and, and then once I got through my uh, six months of chemotherapy, you know, we just kind of sat down and had a plan and thought, you know, hey, look, if I can inspire uh, some young person out there for the things that I had to overcome to get to where I am today, you know, professionally uh, as a as a father, as a husband, as somebody in the community, or you know, somebody that is tackling the disease of cancer or, or battling another disease, if I can help inspire somebody to either, you know, stay away from it uh, because I had stage three colon cancer, maybe, you know, somebody says, Hey, you know what, I'm going to go in there and get checked out and not put it off because I think uh, a lot of my friends, a lot of people in society think, well, it's not going to happen to me. And, you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll wait, I'll, you know, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And all of a sudden it's three, four years later than you should. So, or, it's somebody that's in the battle to help them through their, their toughest times, because when you are diagnosed with this disease, doesn't matter. Uh, it certainly tests your will to live. And, you know, the, the chemotherapy that I was on for six months, uh, you know, I had enough quiet time to last me a lifetime, Chris. And it was just, you know, something that I thought about. And I was like, look, if I can help one person, that reads the book, uh, then it was well worth the, the effort that, that I and Perry and a lot of other people put forward. And look, I think the three things that you will do, uh, after reading some or all of the book will be, you know, I think you'll laugh. Uh, I think you'll shed a tear and most importantly, um, you know, I hope you will, maybe love a little bit more because that really helped me get through my toughest times of, 
of going through the chemotherapy when I wanted to, you know, quit and bail and, and just the side effects of the chemotherapy were just breaking me down. And like I said, it touched your will to live. And, uh, I needed that love and strength from my family and my friends. Um, so I just think that if I can inspire somebody out there, then it was well worth the, uh, the initiative and the effort. And uh, I'm very proud of it. And, you know, you always wish you'd, you know, maybe added something else or maybe said something differently, but, uh, it's out there. It's it's off the Mars, as my great partner, the great Doc Emmerich, loves to say uh, when we're doing games on television. Uh, it's already out there. So, you know, I'm very proud of it, and hopefully people will, will enjoy it. Was it also part of the healing process, continuing healing process for you? Was it very cathartic for you to get this out and get these feelings that you've had out? I know you're, you're pretty open about things, but uh, such a difficult situation um, and then you're kind of a private guy when it was going, was going on, you didn't want to burden people, but is it good for you to be able to tell the story about what you went through? Uh, there's no doubt, Chris, that it was very therapeutic. And, you know, you get asked, I get asked this question a lot is like, you know, do I, you know, do I look at things differently now after, you know, being diagnosed with stage three colon cancer and, and being cancer free now? Um, I, I really didn't, Chris. I, I think what I did is I reflected a lot. And like I said, I mean, I had enough quiet time to last me a lifetime. So I was able to sit there and just kind of look at my life because when I was diagnosed on August the 4th at 7.07 PM in 2017, that uh, I was sick, you know, the first thing I thought of, well, is like, you know, how, how long do I have? I mean, and that was very difficult. And to, to walk down the stairs and to tell my four kids that, I was sick and, and, you know, as a parent that the last thing you want to do as a parent is ever hurt your kids or, or worry them or, um, put them in a bad frame of mind. And, you know, to go downstairs and to have to tell them that, you know, I knew I was going to hurt them and they were going to be worried. And, you know, that, that was really, really difficult. But, you know, I think that the aspect of, of looking back and doing a lot of reflecting was, is I look back on my life and go, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty damn complete. I'm, I'm pretty full. I, uh, was very, very lucky, uh, to be where I am. And yeah, even though I am sick that, uh, my life has been good. And, and the most important people in my life, the most important people in my circle have always known how I felt about them. And that helped me. I, I was at peace because I didn't know what was going to happen after six months. Uh, there were no guarantees. And, uh, you know, I've always shared that with, with my family and, you know, they, my wife would always just tell me, you know, stop talking like that, you know, nothing's going to happen whatever. But I mean, really, when I say this, it, it sounds funny because, um, of, of the way that I say it, but, you know, I always say is, look, it, it would kill me if I wasn't around and you didn't know how much you meant to me and, and how you have been such an important part and piece of my life. And uh, I think that's what I meant earlier when I talked about maybe people will love a little bit more because as you know, Chris, I mean, we're all day to day in the big picture, right? So when, when coach Colleton says, you know, a player's injured and he's day to day, well, I mean, in the big picture in the really big picture, the most important picture, uh, you know, aren't we all day to day? So I think for me, I look back and reflect and say, you know what? I you know, I had a pretty damn good career. I mean, I, I accomplished a lot of things in my hockey life, but most importantly, I tried to be 
a respected part of our community and most importantly to be, you know, best father and the best husband uh, that I can be. And uh, that, that helped me get through, but I did, I did a lot of reflection, uh, you know, when I was going through the, the six months of chemo and then, you know, the months coming out of it. The one thing that I kept referring to going back in my head as I was reading the book and, and I poured through it very, very quickly, it was a, a great read and, um, you know, we'll touch on it a little bit later, but it's not just about um, your illness. It's also about your time, you know, growing up in Chicago and playing in the NHL and the kind of the trials and tribulations on that. But f- the overall feeling I got was this is almost um, a love letter f- from you to the people who helped you along the way in your, yeah. way, of, your way of acknowledging the impact yeah. that they had both in your career growing up and, and in the NHL, but then after you got sick that, you know, these people rallied around you, didn't they? Yeah, they really did, Chris. I think it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful way to describe it is that, you know, there's, there's just been so many people that have been uh, supportive of me uh, in every, in every walk of life. I mean, we all, you know, we all go through different chapters in our life and, was very, very lucky of the support and it all started at home and, you know, with my mom and dad and providing for us, my brothers, Ricky and Randy, and, you know, just all the way through, whether it's from, you know, from, from coaches or friends or, uh, organizations like the Blackhawks or, you know, representing Team USA at the Olympics or World Championships or the Canada Cups or, you know, my family at, at NBC. Um, it, I just, just very, very, very lucky and, and when I get the opportunity Chris to speak to different groups uh, I always uh, I always enjoy just you know letting people in on you know just kind of an outlook or a philosophy or um, you know an understanding that you know like in the elevator of life you know we all ascend to different heights and you know there can be a lot of people that help you along the way Um in that elevator of life, you're going to see a lot of people on the way up and you're going to see a lot of those same people on the way down. Like that, that's just, that's the real world. And I think it was very important to try to let people know out there that, um, you know, how important the help that I got, um, you know, whether it was a coach, whether it was a, a team manager for a youth hockey team, uh, or, um, you know, my family or friends, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, it just, it, it felt, it felt right. Uh, hopefully, you know, people that maybe don't know me as well, get the chance to know me a little bit more and, and what is important. And uh, I had a lot of people, you know, help me through the way. And as I said in the book, Chris is when I signed on that dotted line, that when I signed on that dotted line for, the chemotherapy, I told uh, doc, Dr. Mary Mulcahy, who, who's uh, my lead oncologist over at Northwestern, and I said, okay, so what you're telling me, because she had previously told me, said, look, Eddie, I am here to cure you, not treat you. Do you understand the difference? And that really got my attention. Uh, that really locked me in. And I said, okay, so what you're telling me is, is you're going to give me six months of hell with the chemotherapy, and you know, that's I'm going to get 50 more years, right? That's the deal. And she said, that's my hope. And I was like, okay, where do I sign? So let's, let's go. Let's, uh, let's start this process. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope, uh, you know, I hope people feel that same thing as, as you did. What I really 
you know, a lot of words were in there, a lot of inspiring words and a lot of funny words about your hockey career and hanging out guys. But um, <laughs> one thing you, you wrote late, late in the book was uh, you never asked why me, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is uh, something that, you know, when a lot of people get sick or, or they have some um, things that go against them, they say, well, why is this happening to me? Why was it important right. for you not to say why me, but instead just kind yeah. of tackle things head on? Well, because I knew, Chris, is that um, I could not, knowing what I know now and what I was going through, I could not live if there was somebody in my circle or my family that had to go through what I did. Um, I said earlier, it, it does test your will to live. I mean, it, it, it really does, because not only the the physical part of it, the side effects, but also the psychological effects that it goes through and, and you go through. So I think for me is, is you know, f- from my little world is um, I felt that, you know, I, I'm the one um, I'm going to be an example, regardless of how it's going to end up on the other side. And um, I just, like I said, I just, I just really felt that, um, and I know there are a lot of people out there that are battling. I know there are a lot more, a lot, a lot of people are way worse off than I ever was. And I pray for them and we're thinking about them. And, you know, we're a couple of weeks shy of the great initiative from the national hockey league. And I know the Hawks are going to have a wonderful night for hockey fights cancer. And the thing about it being around 21 years now and all the money they've raised, but also the hope. I think that's the greatest part about that, that initiative, Chris, is the hockey fights cancer. I think it's the greatest initiative the league has, has had. Um, and obviously very, very close to me and my family. And, uh, you know, I said earlier, ho- uh, cancer doesn't discriminate. So, you know, I, I just think that, um, uh, you know, being a father and, and being a husband and, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad it was me and it wasn't anybody else in my family. And um, we're on the right side of the grass and uh, we're going to continue to battle because it's always going to be with me and it's always going to be a part of my life. And uh, every time I look in my car, I get in my car and I start driving away in my Chevy Tahoe. Is I look in that rearview mirror, Chris, and I sit there and go, man, I, 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 I can't drive fast enough to get away from, you know, that 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 time in 2017 and 2018 when I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. One thing that also touched me was kind of the role that the people throughout your life in hockey played, you know, yeah. you kept referring to, you know, doc and, and pad and, you yeah. know, people you run across, but also horse racing. Um, we yeah. all know you play the ponies, you enjoy it. You're yeah. an excellent um, analyst. Talk about those two groups kind of unique, yeah. right? Hockey special, yeah. horse racing special, and be a part of those two things and how maybe they helped you through it. Well, they did. Uh, I mean, I, you know, you mentioned Doc, and and obviously, the great Pat Foley, uh, you know, who checked on me uh, every day, um, whether it was knocking on the front door or uh, picking up the phone or shooting me a text or giving me a shout out during the games when I wasn't able to work, and you know that that helped. Um, I can't emphasize to people enough, Chris, that you know, when, when, when you have people in your life that, you know, are struggling or sick or going through a difficult time, um, uh, to get those calls, to get those texts, to cheer up, you know, to cheer you up, um, meant the world to me. And, you know, Pat, 
Pat came and visited me when I was sick in the hospital. And like I said, uh, there's no, you know, there's no other way to, you know, I can't thank him enough, but you know, our relationship and our friendship and the respect I have for him and have known him, you know, pretty much my whole, my whole hockey life. Cause I like to say and tease is, you know, I grew up listening to him and Dale do the, do the hockey games back in the day when I was a young kid is that, you know, dreaming about playing for the Blackhawks. So, um, you know, that, that meant a lot. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks were just, you know, I mean, to, to be a part of their family, uh, the leadership that, uh, is there with obviously with Rocky and with John McDonough and Jay Blunk, um, you know, the, the support right off the bat. I mean, I called John, uh, I don't want to say it was more than maybe two hours after I got that diagnosis uh, on August the 4th at 7.07 PM when I called him to inform him that, um, you know, that I was sick and that, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be around for a while and, and John was so, uh, supportive and it was a very emotional call. And, you know, he said, look, whatever, you know, whatever I need, whatever Diana needs, whatever our kids need, you know, you have our support and, you know, we're going to be behind you. And, and that meant, uh, that meant everything to have, you know, to have my bosses and my employers you know, take, a uh, incredible interest in in my battle, and and obviously we knew Chris it was going to be you know be uh, you know it was going to be in the news and it was going to be a story because when you are so called public figure you know and you're not around a lot you know people are going to start worrying you know wondering and worrying and there's going to be things that get out and you know we ha- I think we handled uh, the the message extremely well right away to just let people know what was going on. And the Hawks sent out a terrific press release and, you know, it just, it started right there, but, you know, I mean, Rocky called and said, look, you need anything. You just let us know you want a second opinion. You want whatever you need, you have, you know, Jay Blunt came and visited me in the hospital and, and checked on me, you know, every day. And, uh, just, you know, I, I'm just super lucky from a family point of view is that I had that support. And of course, Dr. Michael Terry was the first guy I called when I got sick and, and, and Dr. Terry got the ball in motion and, uh, and got me over to Northwestern and got me with an incredible team of medical people and, uh, which is very, very lucky, but the entire NHL family, uh, the community, I mean, I laid my hat in a lot of different places, Chris, as you know, and, uh, you know, from L.A. to Winnipeg to Toronto to New York to Pittsburgh, uh, just the support from those organizations and the family and friends that I have there. And, you know, look, uh, I mean, Paul Holmgren uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers checked on me all the time. John Davidson, now the president of the New York Rangers, was with Columbus. J.D. would check on me. Uh, all the time, John Tortorella, uh, Mike Babcock. Um, I mean, I can go on and on of just people that, you know, took a vested interest in me. I mean, I, I should, I got to mention coach Q too. I mean, coach Q was there every step of the way when I was sick, when he was obviously with, with the Hawks. And I mean, every single day would just shoot a text or a call and just say, we're thinking about you, but very blessed with friends, uh, you know, Ronnie Francis, you know, the great Troy Murray does a wonderful job on our radio broadcast and, 
you know, I could go on and on, but it, it really helped Chris. It, it really did. And then, you know, the, my family at NBC, Sam flood, Rob Highland, uh, Lafitte Pinkai, the third, uh, just calls and texts and visits. And, uh, it meant a lot. And as I announced with Pat, uh, in March of 2018, when I said that I was cancer free, you know, we did it, you know, we, we did it. And, uh, without the horse racing community, the national hockey league family, um, it, uh, it meant a lot because I, I don't know that people that don't have the support are able to go through that through them by themselves because, you know, I did learn one thing about myself, Chris, is that I'm, I'm way tougher than I ever thought I was. Like when you're sick and you're going through cancer and you're battling this disease and taking the medicine, uh, you're one tough, you know what? And, uh, I want everybody out there that is in a battle or is, you know, taking chemo or, or battling cancer or any disease is that there are a lot of people out there that, um, that are praying for you and are pulling for you. And, you know, and I can't forget, uh, you know, and not least the, the fans, uh, the letters, the cards, the, the emails, the, you know, the space faces, the, you know, the, whatever they got out there in social media, not that I'm a social media guy, Chris, as you know, but the fans were just, uh, incredible throughout the league, but, you know, obviously, especially in the places that I laid my hat and, and at home too. I mean, the Blackhawk fans were just so great when they would see me and still are. And, uh, it's, uh, I'm a lucky guy and, uh, we'll never, we'll never forget the support that I had from, uh, from everybody. Well, Eddie, it's a very in- inspirational story. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your, your hockey career as well. I mean, before all of this happened, before you broke into the horse racing broadcast, before everything, you were a heck of a hockey player, and uh, you know I grew up watching you. I have to, <laughs> I have to say that. <laughs> um, anyway, no, but you know I I know you're proud of being a Chicagoan who was uh, the high draft pick from the Blackhawks, and I know you're proud of your career, Stanley Cup winner, had a lot of stops. But I, I think that throughout every stop, whether you were very successful or not so successful, everyone had your respect, uh, and they respected you. I, I really think that that kind of got through the book there that you treated everybody how you wanted to be treated. And therefore, when it came to Roos later on, when he needed those people, they were there for you. But your hockey career, I don't think I want to gloss over that. You had a pretty good career. What what are your, your overall feelings on your career in the NHL? Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Chris. And I, and I learned that from, you know, I learned that from the real, the real Ed and Diane Olchek. Um, you know, my dad and Ed, my mama, Diana, and uh, obviously I'm an Eddie and, my wife is a Diana. So, um, I learned that at home and, uh, you know, look, we all, you know, we all have good days. We all have bad days, but I think I've always tried to live my life by, you know, making people feel good about themselves, regardless of the situation, always, you know, leaning a, you know, leaning out with a hand, shaking a hand, saying hello to somebody, regardless of, of where they may be, you know, on the totem pole. And I think that there's no doubt that, um, you know, I, I feel that uh, the support and the way I was as a as an NHLer or a coach or a broadcaster, you know, I got paid back ten times that with the support of people pulling for me, whether I crossed them once or crossed them a million times, and I'm very, very appreciative of that. But you know, I uh, all I ever want to do was be a hockey player. 
Um, a small part of me wanted to be a baseball player too. I think, you know, I would have loved to play for the Cubs as a young kid. And my dad still thinks I would have been a better, could have been a better baseball player than a hockey player. But I, uh, I enjoyed the game. Uh, I, um, you know, I had a certain style and a way that I played and, uh, you know, I, I felt with the opportunity that I was given in my career, I was very consistent player. When you look at my numbers, when I got a chance to play and, you know, it's not easy to score goals in the NHL. It is a tough league. I don't care what era it is, uh, styles or rules or whatever. I mean, it's the greatest hockey league in the world and have spent 16 years in the league, have the success that I did, the goals that I was able to score. You talk about winning the greatest achievement that I had in the league was winning a Stanley cup with the Rangers in 94. And my role was very, very small, but, I, uh, I look back and, you know, when I was writing the book, Chris was being able to reflect and go, you know, you put up some pretty good numbers, you know, like when I was in Toronto, my first year there, I scored 42 goals and, you know, I had a scoring streak of, uh, of 18 straight games and it's still a, still tied for the Maple Leaf record, uh, all time. And, uh, you know, tied with Phil Kessel, who obviously came after me and tied it and, legendary Daryl Sittler. So I think anytime you can hold a record uh, with uh, Daryl Sittler, um, you know, you did something right. So I'm, I'm very, very proud of, of what I was able to accomplish and, you know, the ups and downs and, and the support of, of my wife. And if I could, Chris, I'd like to go back to my wife, Diana, because she was the strength of, of, she's been the strength of my, of our family. She, and she obviously was the strength of, of me getting through my battle. And, you know, when I was in my second treatment, I, I was ready to quit. Uh, the side effects were just, they took, they took their toll on me, Chris. I I just, I, you know, I had terrible nosebleeds, I had uh, blood clot, I had a bad headache. I was vomiting. I was just going to the bathroom when I didn't need to go. I just, I just, I just felt it was an out of body experience. And I just told my wife, I said, how am I going to get through this second treatment, let alone get through the next five months? And I said, I quit. And I've never quit at anything in my life. I don't care what it is. I don't, even if, you know, if we're down seven to one with two minutes left to go, you're still thinking you got a chance to win. And I, that's been my mindset my whole life. And I just, it got to me. And I told my wife, I'm done. And my wife just grabbed me and she just said, fight for me fight for our kids and fight for all the people that love you. And we had a moment and which lasted about 30 minutes, Chris, and we cried and we hugged and I cried. And I'm just like, it's hard. Like it's life is hard. This battle is hard. And she just said, look, we got to go day to day. Just, just fight. And I needed that. I needed, I needed to hear that. And I hope there's somebody out there that hears that can give them inspiration for what my wife told me. And she's been there every step of the way, Chris, uh, whether she was on a delivery table in Toronto back in November of 1990, giving birth to Tommy Olchek. And I got called out of the delivery room. Uh, and the nurse told me that the Maple Leafs were on the phone and they traded me while Diana was in labor or to, uh, you know, seeing me score a few goals in the league or, helping me through my cancer battle. Uh, you know, my wife has, has been there every step of the way and, uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty lucky guy. That's for sure. Hey, I could sit here and talk to you all day about <laughs> hockey and life and I, I wish we had more time, but I just wanted to thank you for writing the book. Um, you know, I, 
I wrote down a couple of notes before I, I, we made this uh, interview, and I thought, you know, I laughed throughout the book. I, I shed a tear, but it also inspired me to be a better man, live my life maybe the way that Eddie Olchik has done throughout his career and his life. And um, I want to thank you for writing that. Um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, things are going well for you now, and I think you've written a really inspiring tale, a funny tale as well. It's a must-read for any hockey, uh, hockey fan, Eddie Olchik fan, Blackhawk fan, any survivor of cancer, anyone who's got it now. Um, thanks again for writing it, and thanks again for joining us. Chris, always appreciate it, man. We'll see, you. we'll see you at the United Center real soon, pal. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Eddie. That will do it for this week's episode. A special thank you to Eddie Olchek for joining us. His book, Eddie Olchek, Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life, is available now. For more details, visit Blackhawks.com. For Chris Cook, I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm a lucky guy. and She is, she is the straw that stirs the drink, yeah. and yes, she made you a batch of cookies tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved her, now I love her more. Buddy, everybody loves you. Thanks, Listen, I love you. having you sitting, standing right here next to me, exactly where you belong. Thanks for having me. And you're going to be back here sooner than can't later, wait. and we Thanks. can't wait, man.